Six-Pack Lapidot, I want to give a quick shout-out to our partners, the strength guys in this app that we have. It can be found at positionsofpower.programs with an S dot app. And the strength guys who coach people like Taylor Atwood, have you heard of him? He's pretty good. Uh, they've had several world champions, several national champions, and uh, I mean, a laundry list of records, national records, world records have been broken, etc. But they have an app with their elite level programming available, video tutorials. Uh, I mean, the whole nine, it's one stop shop once you're in here. There's a Discord where they're doing video review of your lifts. Um, to get all your lifts analyzed so you get elite level programming and coaching for $29.99 US a month. Positionsofpower.programs.app. Go there and get yourself started. <laughs> Six-pack lap it out. We have the swole professor, Marcellus. We were just talking offline about um, how, you know, right now you are the coach on the rise. Everybody's like that. You're the hot young coach on the rise with this roster that's growing. Um, you got a bunch of shooters on your roster. You know, big name people from you know Bob Matthews, who's hot as hell right now. Bob is absolutely murdering it right now. Uh, you know, Ashton Jamar, uh, Michael C., uh, Brandon Petrie, you know, there, there's a bunch of people you got on your roster. And we're talking about how like some people are like, man, in this last year, like you made so much headway. But it's that deal where you have been in the game. This isn't this isn't new. You know, some people might be like, oh, you got a bunch of big name lifters right now. But um, you've been around you know, making our check that like YouTube and lifting since like 2015, man, we're going back almost, almost a 10 year veteran at this point. Yeah. 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 Cause I, uh, I started the channel on YouTube. I want to say it was like around like the end of 2016 or so. And then, um, cause I was doing like in-person training and stuff like that and involved in powerlifting six, uh, 2015, but I really started more of the online coaching in like 2017. So, you know, if you look at it from that standpoint, 2017, all the way to now, it's definitely been more of a build over time, more so than like just a came out of nowhere fast track type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And, and and how do you think, because for sure, there's a lot of momentum on your side right now. And um, how is it, do you think it's just like, when did this start taking off as far as you could tell? So for me, honestly, it's like, if I look back at like, you know, 2017 2018 in terms of just kind of like just building a decent like just clientele in general like when I went into a full-time in 2018 and stuff like that um as far as just you know being kind of more known in YouTube and coaching that's probably when that started happening but in terms of when people probably started taking more notice of me like as a coach it had to definitely be 2019 Raw Nationals um when I was uh with uh with Michael just because that was like, you know, that was in 2019 where, you know, up until deadlifts, you know, like when the full body cramping stuff started happening, there's a point in time where people were like, yo, is this dude about to overtake Taylor? And I think, I feel like that's what, like, I always tell people all the time, like, you know, I've been doing the, like the coaching and like, you know, known as like the Swole Fester thing for a while since in 2016. But I feel like 
it, the birth of like craftsmanship, you know, like, like that pretty much started like with, with Michael, as far as like in 2019, I think that's when a lot of people started taking more notice of me. Cause at that point, I feel like anyone who knew me kind of saw me and knew me as a good coach. But I think seeing me with someone like Michael, who is a higher level lifter and a more advanced lifter, seeing what we were able to do as far as that kind of opened the door to more of these other guys having a closer look at me as well, too, to be like, okay, well, what's this guy about? Like, okay, he helped Michael get to this point. Like, what's going on with that? So I think probably 2019 is more so when things kind of like, you know, start to pick up. Then, of course, 2020 happened, right? Right. Um, but I feel like even in that point in time, like just because I kept still doing my thing, the best of my ability in 2020, um, throughout the year, kind of still building even things. I think a lot of coaches maybe kind of like chilled out or kind of like took a backseat during that time. I was out here like, hey, I'm still doing everything that I can while I can, you know, for my clients who still can. And I think that helped a lot. And then, of course, 2021 is when things probably took off more so because, you know, had people like, you know, like uh, Ashton, Jamar coming on the scene and stuff like that. And then even Petrie, because Petrie actually started working with me 2019 after Raw Nationals. So, yeah. So I feel like, <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so I, yeah. I was just, so I feel like from that point on to like, you know, because there's a Carolina primetime. Then there was nationals right after that. I feel like that's when more things started, I guess, taking off in terms of like, I guess, like being more known anyway. Not so much taking off as far as the coaching, but because, you know, the coaching has been doing well even before then. But I think that's when things got more known. And that's the thing, like you see that with coaches sometimes. Um, in 2016, when John Hack and Brett Gibbs, like it's a big time hyped, you know, historic moment. And yeah. Joey, Joey Flex would talk about how like, after that, he's like, I opened up my email and was like, holy shit. Like yeah. the amount of emails he got for people inquiring. And all you need is, um, even though your coaching abilities can be on point, you know, and you've been doing it for years and you have your system worked out and, and you're good. Like you're, you're making a living, whatever. The breakthrough within the community just takes like a breakthrough performance, really, just to catch people's eyes, right? Yeah. And um, certainly, I remember when Michael C was giving Taylor Atwood, Taylor fucking Atwood, a scare, and it was like, oh my god, leading into deadlifts, things were getting crazy for a minute there. And then, yeah. um, right now, you have a stacked roster, Ashton, who's you know right up there with Taylor and everybody else. Um, and Bob Matthews, man, like inter- when you look at your roster right now, who do you think, like, is there a particular performance you're like, oh, my God, people don't even know? I mean, honestly, man, I feel like I feel like all of them to a degree, just because it's this thing where it's like, you know, I would say like, you know, we have people like Ashton, Michael, Bob, Petrie, Jordan, Patton, all of them. These are lifters who are going to be strong no matter what. I feel like no matter who they go to. But my goal as a coach is to maximize how much of their strength potential they can fulfill while being healthy. And the rate of progress in which, like, they're all making and how they're making it. Like, the goal is to kind of have that feeling with each meet. You know what I mean? With that being said, man, I'm, I mean, you know, definitely very, very excited for, um, for both uh, Bob and Ashton with this with upcoming nationals for sure but bob especially and i think i think the big thing with bob that i can say about him is like you know because we just hit our one year like anniversary working together and what's funny is when he first came to me man the amount of people in my ear being like oh man he's probably going to be kind of a handful you know, he likes to do his own thing blah, blah blah i can undeniably say when it comes to like everything the communication being on top of nutrition the variables asking about ranges for the days like anything i can ask from a client bob is perfect on all fronts like everything the man's the man's a freaking robot when it comes to that so i'm i'm very kind of excited to see kind of like you know 
what things are looking like in six weeks when we get to nationals. But honestly, man, I'm, I'm excited for everybody because it's like the, the work that's being put in, the momentum is being built, even with some of the lifters who aren't like putting quite as much out there in terms of how things are going. It's, uh, it's, it's been crazy. And really just for me, it's humbling, like working with the lifters that I'm working with. Like these are lifters where it's like, I look up to them as a lifter myself. You know what I mean? Like these yeah. guys motivate me. These are guys that I watch when I'm ready to like get myself hyped and go kill in the gym. So to be a part of their process and making them better is just a surreal, humbling experience, to be honest. It's um, well, first off, Bob in the last year, since he's been working with you has fucking taken off, man. Like Bob was strong before. Yeah. This is another level since he joined you. So obviously you guys meshed well, like, yeah. holy shit. His from, I think we were talking about um, on the year end in 2021, he put on something crazy, like 82.5 kilo on his total. It was insane. I mean, yeah. this is like a night in day individual. And since then, that was 2021. Since then, what he's doing in the gym, it's fucking crazy, man. Like Bob is, he could emerge as like, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on this guy, but he's a shooting <laughs> star, man. He's, yeah. you know, he's, he's going to do some big things. Uh, definitely excited to see what Bob does. And, um, you know, it's funny when Bob first came on the scene, like a few years ago, I remember, I don't know if you remember, he was doing like yeah. a lot of like stunt videos. Yeah, yeah like, dude, it was random. It was crazy as hell. Yeah. It, it, it was some <laughs> of the, like, I remember reposting it and people were like, some people thought it was hilarious. Some people yeah. were like, this is not the shit we can't, we expect on King of Lifts. And I remember, yeah, how, yeah. and I was like, what the fuck ever, man, this guy's got personality. And um, I had him on the podcast. We talked about it. And he was like, he was trying to get himself known, get himself out there. And yeah. we knew he was strong then, but he wasn't like super into powerlifting yet. He was in the scene into it, but he wasn't, I don't know if he had a proper coach or anything yet. And um, little did everybody know, man, what he was going to turn into at that point. Like if you told yeah. me right that this dude is going to be like up there with Ashton and all them, like he could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, that's, what's kind of cool about it is like, and this was, you know, like you said, way back then, long before I even had any thoughts of, oh, I could maybe coach this dude one day. But just right. seeing him, seeing what he was doing, I remember being in a group chat where I was being like, like I sent like one of his posts being like, yo, if this dude ever like starts to take this seriously and gets a good coach, it's going to be something we've never seen before. It's going to be insane. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy to like look back at that conversation from like, you know, years back and look at that and now be like, yo. I'm the dude helping him do that. Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, it's, it's wild. Man. It's wild, honestly. I, it's it's personally not only has he developed as an athlete, but his personality now. He doesn't do any posts yeah. like that anymore. Like people, yeah. you you know, powerlifting. The turnover is like like every two years. There's like new people. Like the amount of in terms of um like the familiar faces stay at the top, but yeah. all, in terms of eighty percent of powerlifting is powerlifters who are like two years deep and then they move on two years yeah. deep and then they move on. I think uh, I had heard that. And so a lot of people are coming in now and they won't even know what we're talking about when we talk about Bob. They have yeah. no idea the Bob yeah. that we do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is wild because he's not like that at all anymore. Yeah. No, it's very different, man. Like I said, um, everything that I think people expected him to be like as a client kind of comes more from how he used to be. Yeah. Like he, he really isn't like that at all, man. Like he's on point with everything, the communication, very, you know, mature respectful in our communication stuff like that you know we'll bust, still bust jokes here and there of course but yeah. yeah it's like I think and I think a lot of that has to do with one probably just certain things that he's gone through recently and stuff like that but also I feel like 
it's different when you're kind of just messing around, but when you really can kind of see it, like, like the potential of, of like, it's not just other people telling you, Oh, you could be this and that. But when you really realize, yo, I could be this. Yeah. I feel like it just shifts you mentally. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. bought in. He's like, Holy shit. I can actually like, we're not even talking him being the best in his division. He could be like the best pound for pound, like period. You know, he's yeah. got the potential yeah. to be like top five in the men's division period across the world, man. Like he is a special talent. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's, he's, it's, you take somebody like him where it's like you're already a genetic freak. And then on top of that, you know, you get him with a good coach and then his work ethic, man. Cause I mean, let's be real. He's somebody, let's, let's be honest. There's livers out there where they can afford to not be on top of their macros, not have the best recovery. And they're still going to beat most people. But Bob has like that high level genetic baseline plus the work ethic of somebody who's behind. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's working as if though he's not in the lead right now. And that's, it's, you know, and like, you know, he'll, he'll be the first to tell you. He's like, he's like, he's like, my goal is like Ashton. Like that's his goal. That's what he wants. So he's working towards it and he's, he's killing it, man. It's, I mean, the work speaks for itself every week, every block, just finishing out with some crazy numbers. Oh, how is that? Cause it's interesting, right? Like for sure, Ashton is the big dog, especially in the USAPL and, and Bob is right there. Like, I mean, not even just with the calculator, Bob now, when you start seeing the numbers he has, because they're in two different weight classes. Um, yeah. But Bob is catching up, man. Like, in, and they both work with you. So yeah. is that is that put you in an awkward situation or not really if they're in two different weight classes? Or how does that work out on your end? Not really, man. Because it's even like, so even at the pro meet, right? Because at the pro meet, I had Ashton, Bob, Jamar, Petrie, and Michael all competing. And I got asked the same thing. It's like, hey, man, this is based off points and dots. I'm about weight class. So all you guys are going against each other. Like, is that put you in a weird scenario? And for me, it's like, I feel like, if you're setting each of your guys up to maximize like the best day they can have, it just comes down to them executing. Like there's no need for favoritism. I'm going to set them all up for the best meet that I think they can have. I'm going to let them know, Hey, this is what I truly think you have based off this last attempt. And then it's just on them to execute. If they think they have a little bit more than they want to go for it. I'm going to let them, if they want to play more conservative. I'm going to let them. Um, but honestly, no, it doesn't put me in a weird spot just because it kind of works out because my ultimate goal for all my lifters is to help them fulfill their goals. You already know, man, you, you, you've talked to Ashton. You know, Ashton loves a challenge. Like Ashton is his best self when he has someone to beat or when he has someone on his heels. Like his training always goes well, like despite his lifestyle, like, you know, with, you know, um, getting his PhD and being in the military, his training goes well, but it's always a different level when he feels like there's someone to beat. Like going into last year's NAS, when his goal was like, you know, hey, I want to I beat Bryce. I want to like, you know, get that national title. It's just a different level. So when he sees Bob just, killing and really showing up in these numbers it just puts him on a different level he and I were actually talking about that earlier today in terms of just like you know how for me it's not even like I'm gonna set them both up for the best that they can have it's just on them to execute that's what it comes down to so I, mm-hmm. I actually love it because it's like for Ashton it gives him that motivation to keep pushing and for Bob it gives him a goal of someone to reach so it's like they both like build off each other in that way you know what I mean so yeah I, as a coach it's kind of like the best scenario I could have because it's like <laughs> If I want Bob to get better, I just got to keep making Ashton better. If I want Ashton to get better, just keep making Bob better. And they'll just keep going at it like that, you know? Truly. Yeah, well, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, if, yeah. With Ashton, he's a bit like, he lately, we haven't seen the best of Ashton yet either. Like, he's he's uh, winning. He's been winning the pro series and doing his thing. But yeah, he hasn't gone full in yet. Like, full send. No. no. This this upcoming Nationals will probably be the closest that y'all have seen in a while of Ashton, like, really trying to, like, 
push things. But yeah, like like I got told him after the arm, like, all right, man, time to take the training rules off. You know what I mean? Because I mean, you also we know he's stronger sumo, but you know we'll slam pull conventional certain meets. Right. Um, we've actually brought his grip out compared to doing like a super ultra close grip on bench. So you know we're taking the training wheels off a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, that, and that's what's exciting about it too is like you know even when people talk about Bob, like oh he's coming, he's getting close, he definitely is. But I think Bob understands better than everybody else that he knows. No, Ashton hasn't even shown me what he can really do yet. So yeah, right, and that's where it gets it gets scary, man. It's actually it's entertaining. The thing is, you probably have a good idea looking at their training numbers, but are these guys that like? Because sometimes some people they hit things in the gym and it's close to what they're going to hit on the platform. Some people could be like only operating. Like there are some people who are notoriously jump up like 20 kilo on their lifts once they hit the platform. A little bit of adrenaline, a little bit of push. Do you think you know kind of what's going to happen? Or are you like, man, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. We'll have to see. I have a pretty good idea of how things are going to be laid out, I think. You got the spoilers. Just, yeah. 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 <laughs> just, just from, you know, knowing their training history, kind of knowing what they get if you can taper, and then also just kind of knowing what the game plans are for their goals. I've got a pretty good idea of like, what's what's coming I, the one thing i can always say is like it's that third deadlift especially kind of like with the way i program things and kind of how strength tends to show up on the bulls the third deadlift is always the one where it's like i can have a good idea of where it's going to be but sometimes i'm even shocked like oh shit did you just pull that <laughs> so, yeah, yeah 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 so that's that's the one thing i'll say but i've, I've got a pretty good idea of i think where they're both going to be um is ashton looking to stay in the 110 or is he thinking like what's his body weight right now is he filling out further because previously he wasn't as big he's definitely got bigger but how much more big could he possibly get like there there might be a you know like where it gets too big and now it's affecting his deadlift it's you know there's mitigated gains when you do that sure well what i can say right now is uh right now he's chilling around like 228 230 so not even at the top of the 110. Yeah, not even um, close, and, really. And, yeah, and his weight has fluctuations, too, just due to, like, you know, if he has to do more physical demanding stuff during one week, you know, like with the running and the different stuff he has to do with the military, that's going to play a role where his weight is compared to other things. It's a higher stress week where his eating is not as consistent. Things like that play a role in it. But what I can say is um, Ashton, you know, because we have to consider, like, you know, the dot scores and the points, he's not letting himself get too heavy. It's more so – how light can I be and still perform at the level that I want, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, and, you know, once again, Ashton likes the challenge. He's even, you know, we've even had talks about like, hey, maybe I go back down to 100 kg, battle that with Bob directly at some point, things like that. So, you know, That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, different, different, different potential things he could do um, because of the fluctuations with his weight. But definitely, it's something where, like, you know, if we do want to like, hey, let's fill out 110, just see if we can push the biggest total like in the next year or so. Definitely, still room to do that for sure. Do you happen to know, speaking of the 110s, um, what the situation is latest with Rondell Hunt? And I don't even know if Rondell, Rondell is another guy who's been putting on a lot of weight. I don't even know if he can make 110 anymore. He looks huge nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I know he was supposed to compete recently, and then um, it didn't go down because, you know, all the issues he was having, I think, like, with the white grim stuff like that. Um, I haven't talked to him much since then. Of course, when it first happened, I checked in on him, stuff like that to see how he was doing. And I know he's doing a lot better now, but yeah, I'm not sure what Rondell's plan is. I feel like it's one of these things where if he really wants to make 110 happen, it's probably going to be this thing where he has to just, you know, get his body weight lighter in general so that the cut's not so extreme and so detrimental. Cause I mean, Rondell's somebody where like, he's just got to be healthy. Man. That's the biggest thing. If he can just keep himself healthy and, you know, make weight, then it's going to be 
disgusting. But I think that's the biggest thing is not having the cuts be so extreme to where you can't stay healthy and actually like perform. Yeah. I mean, the, him in action in a direct head to head would be amazing. Oh, um, dude, yes. Yes. That would, like, I, people, you, people ask me all the time, bro, like, oh, would you be concerned if he came down? Like, like concerned? Like, nobody wants to see that more than me. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love to see it. I mean, and Ashton feels the same way. Like, we, we both want him to be healthy and want him to be able to make it happen so that we can see that head. So once again, Ashton loves a challenge, and as his coach, I mean, I, I want to see it. So, yeah. Right, because I, I remember when Rondell was in the 2018 IPF Worlds as a junior, and he out-totaled everybody in the open, and it was yeah. the 105s, and the 105s was stacked. And Ashton yeah. was – or, uh, sorry, Rondell was just that strong. Like, he was making such a huge impression, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this guy in the open. And then, like, all the politics happened with – um back home, his home federation, and, like, things just haven't – he hasn't been able to have that moment yet, and um, this could have been. So hopefully he gets back on the platform and everything is sorted. We get to see what he's – you know, see see this clash because it seems like um, him and Ashton was the clash, and now we're somewhat looking at maybe a Bob Matthews and Ashton. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it, like I said, just kind of comes down to – what Rondell chooses to do. And then I just know for Ashton in general, like as far as his goals, besides just going head to head with certain people, there's just, you know, he says it all the time as Cassidy, right? He's like, hey, I want to show the world real strength. I want to push the limits. So at the end of the day, like I said, we've got room in terms of if the goal just becomes, we stop focusing on points so much. And, you know, let's say after like this first pro series is done, his goal is I just want to put the biggest total ever. Like I said, we've got still 10 more pounds we can put on before even at the top of 110. So, and then yeah. that would be very interesting to see too, like what he can do just heavy for sure. How about Brandon Petrie? What does, what does his future look like? I know at one point he was talking about uh, possibly like filling out 100. And then I don't know if he's thinking maybe, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to fill 100, maybe 90 kilo or whatnot. Like what, where do you think you see Brandon in the future? So, it's this thing where we now know we have confirmed this because we, we've tried it a few times. If Petrie's going to like fill out the 100 weight class, it's going to be a super steady because it has to be where he's doing it, you know, through muscle mass, not putting on too much fat too quickly because the way his body feels and the way his strength kind of tanks when it's too heavy too quickly, it's, it's really interesting. It's like, it's not what you would expect of anybody else, you know, even there's a little bit of like, you know, fat involved, they're putting on weight, they tend to feel better. If he puts on weight too quickly, he just doesn't feel good. He doesn't mm. perform well at all. Um, so we find that he's actually – he tends to do a lot better around, like, that kind of, you know, 209, 210 kind of mark. Um, so right now, the you know, the plan right now is, you know, just to go into uh, the 100s as a light 100 and just, you know, do his thing, um, see what we can do as far as, like, a 2K total and everything like that. But um, after Nationals, we definitely had some talks about playing around with, well, let's see, how long weight can we get while still feeling good? Maybe we play around with possibly, like, you know – playing with 90, you know what I mean? So um, there's options as far as that too. But as of right now, the plan is like, you know, stay in the hundreds as far as filling it out. That's just something that would have to be done over time. Would he consider doing 93 and going the IPF route and joining, um, you know, they got some killers in 93s as well. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm just, he already said a story one point. I think it's going to be a secret. He definitely wants to do that. He definitely thinks he has some unfinished business at 93. And because of where his weight likes to chill anyway, 93 is kind of almost like the perfect weight class for him. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely something that, that he and I have talked about. And we'll talk about it probably more after Nationals. Just kind of trying to keep 
you know, one goal first and then focus yeah. on the next. But he definitely thinks there's there's some stuff to be done as far as the 93s, like at, at the world level for sure. I'd seen him. So I wanted to ask, wasn't I didn't see that that story. So because uh, when I saw him at uh, when I was in Austin, Texas, he yeah. had told me he he's seen the 93 battle and um, everyone sees the 93s. It's going to happen. IPF world, which is like crazy stacked, man. Like yeah. people all over the world from like Sweden, Gustav to Sasha in Germany. Uh, Gavin Aiden obviously went the USVI route and then chance yeah. made it in. Uh, yeah. Chance yeah. made it in Ed Keiko. And then um, Brendan was there, and I'm like, Brendan, man, what's your body weight at? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, man, I'm thinking about joining this. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, dude, it's yeah. already too stacked. It's already like yeah. too stacked. 93s is like nothing but killers. Like, there's so many. You could be, you could, if Brendan jumps in there, you could have like not make the 90, like the top five, and you're an absolute killer. Like, you're an yeah. absolute shooter, yeah. and you won't make the top five. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 and that's what's interesting about it, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of people where they're, you know, like, like either super, super pro USAPL or super, super pro IPF. Um, for me, I always say, like, what I choose to do as a lift or whatever, like, that's, that's, that's on me. But when it comes to my clients, I'm like, hey, whatever your goals are, whatever fed, I don't care. Let's make it happen. So, and, and that's one of the things where it'd be exciting, right? Because like you said, it's that competition. And that's a big thing with a lot of my guys, Ashton and Petrie, Bob. A lot of the decisions they make is based on where's the competition at. So I think for Petrie actually going there and being able to see that and see it in person, be like, okay, there's there's some stuff going on over here. Definitely kind of like, you know, got him more interested to be like, hey, we might have to step back over there and make some noise. So, yeah. I mean, and that's like, a, you know, as time goes on, yeah, exactly. especially as a coach, you never want to limit yourself. And be like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. only taking clients from this particular Fed. Like, yeah. the world's, and the world's a big place. Like, there could be, be be people from when you start sending people to the World Championships, people from around the world. You know how we're talking about um, Michael C has that breakthrough performance. When people from around the world start seeing what you're doing, do you start getting people from Europe, or maybe you already do get people yeah, from like yeah, Europe yeah. and like Asia reaching out, being like, I want coach. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. It's funny because I always tell people like some of my international clients are probably some of the most like <laughs> hardcore discipline. Like, like it's just different, man. It's like, like, I think it's like the cultural aspect of it, but yeah, no, for sure. And that's, that's my thing too. Like when it comes to like, like you know, clientele, my thing is like, do you want to work? That's yeah. it. That's, that's my stipulation. Whatever fed doesn't matter. You know, you're number one in your weight class, number hundred. It's just, do you want to put in the work? Do we mesh well together? Let's make it happen. That's, that's all that matters. What is some of the biggest changes um, you've done as a coach, like since when you first started back in 2015? Because I feel like, like when you, I know you being around 2015, you'll remember what powerlifting was like. Like, first off, the numbers were way the shit lower, like across the board, everybody was way lower, but even like, like the streams were you know, nowhere near the same social media was not even close. You started before power, uh, King of the list started, man. I would have started King of the list in 2016 and it didn't like blow up immediately. So you like predate King of lifts. Like you've seen the progression of powerlifting yeah. as a culture, you know, as a, uh, you know, as, as like what we know in terms of training has gotten bigger and whatnot um, and more evolved. Like, what are some of your impressions about like, first off as a coaching side, it's things that you think you've seen progressed that people are doing and that you think you're doing differently than back then. Oh, dude, where do you even start? Oh, <laughs> like, like, cause like I said, I'm, I'm thinking back to even my first meet in 2015 
and I'm looking at where things are at now. I mean, the programming is for sure. Um, just as far as like, you know, it, it used to be the typical type of stuff where it's like, okay, when you're far away from me, you got people doing like super high volume, like eights, ten stuff like that. And then when you're closer to me, like, okay, we're just doing three by threes and singles. And now we, of course, look at how most of us are programming nowadays. It's more like that submax DUP style where, okay, you always got some consistent volume going on. You've always are kind of like trying to push that intensity threshold a little bit, get strong. You don't want to get too far away from the rep ranges that you're actually trying to get better at. So for the programming aspect, I feel like we've all just gotten smarter. <laughs> we've mm. like learned more. And I feel like a lot of us have, been, have realized how, you know, even some aspects of programming with like bodybuilding, hypertrophy work, how that carries over so well to powerlifting. It's not these two totally separate entities and stuff like that. So from the programming aspect, that's, that's already huge. Um, definitely even like, you know, in terms of like, you know, different things that people have learned about like technique and the different stuff that people tell you to do. Like, you know, I remember point time swapping people like, Hey, sit your hips back a lot, sit your hips back a lot, stuff like that. Right. Yes. And just, there's just, you know, the, you know, almost trying to teach people who, who, you know, lift raw to kind of lift like equipped lifters. Like you see, like we're realizing that, Hey, the raw lifters respond to different type of things, technically programming wise, et cetera. Um, so, I mean, I could go on and on about the differences as far as that. Um, in terms of, in terms of like the, the culture and the impact, obviously social media has played a huge role in that. Right. I mean, dude, if you, if we even talk about not even just like worlds of the chef, but even like the pro series, like even that being the thing, like, right. like, 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 like if you would have told, I think me or anybody back in 2015, like, Oh yeah, eventually like, no, there's going to be able to like make this much money or get paid for this and that. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? No, like nobody cares about powerlifting like that. You know what I mean? It's like powerlifters care about powerlifting and we're a very, small you know small group and stuff like that but i think just like the growth man through social media and then dude what some of these kids are hitting now you know what i mean like like just strength wise it's crazy to look at what was considered a good total in like 2015 2016 not to say if you're putting this stuff up now you're not strong but like competitive you know what i mean yeah. i mean you've got you've got it to this point now where you know there was one point in time we're looking at like you know oh like the 700 kg mark and stuff like that for like you know 74s and stuff like that and now you look at freaking like the 75s going in that's this year and there's like freaking like eight or 10 people that have hit a 700 kg plus total going into it so it's it's like you know from the coaching standpoint just the the genetic potential of some of these lifters the way that we kind of approach programming and even things like like game day handling it's not just it's not just going in there to hit prs you know what I mean? Like you got to have a game plan. You got to really set numbers and look at where these other people doing when you're really trying to play. So I feel like back in, you know, 2015, 2016, most people's goals was just going in there kind of just trying to PR, right? Just YOLO your third, get whatever you can and where you place is where you place. But now it's, it's really more like, like playing chess. You know what I mean? Especially when you're going up against different coaches and stuff like that. Um, you know, you got like, you know, TSA, TSG, Flex, you know, uh, game day barbell you can't just go in there and just have your lifters like go in there there's got to really have an idea of like okay who are you competing against what are their numbers looking like what are your numbers looking like and it's it's, it's definitely a lot more like you know thought process that goes into it now on the coaching end by comparison especially like I, I say especially when we're with higher level lifters but not even like even at local level meets like just like I said because you never know who's going to show up you never know like what these are looking like there's just a lot more thought process that I think goes into everything especially because you know how like in other sports like you kind of know what a football player typically is going to be built like right you kind of know what a basketball player is typically going to be built like well at one point it seemed like there's a certain type of person and build that kind of gravitated towards powerlifting but now you've got all these different people man different leverages different heights 
Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've got a I've got a client who's like six foot seven. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like the way the way you, I'm approaching programming with him is obviously very different than you know probably how you are going to approach things with a client who's like five foot five or something like that. You know what I mean? Like there's just way more. It's way more involved. I feel like and to really do well with the coaching, it, it goes beyond just being able to put numbers in the sheet. You got to be able to like really know this individual from a physical standpoint, even the mental standpoint. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. these higher level competitions. So. I feel like it's just evolving every year, especially since 2015, 2016, for sure. It's in terms of sports, man, our sport in, in five to seven years, it is nuts. The progress we've made on all those fronts, on all fronts. Like I, you look across like so many other sports and our progress, probably because like, I think it is the social media aspect. Our sport is taken to social media like no other sport, man. Like, especially sports, like, quote, unquote, on the fringe. Uh, like, there are so many sports on the fringe. If you look at, like, the Olympics and how many times people don't care about any of those sports unless the Olympics roll around. So if it's, like, name your Olympic sport. There's no way during the year their world championships is as hyped as powerlifting's. You know what I mean? Like there's like water polos, world championships probably don't get the love that we get. If we're not (laughs) in the Olympics, like, you know what I mean? Like if I think of any other sport like that, powerlifting is doing it without being in the Olympics, without mainstream, without any of that powerlifting still got like global for real global sport. And we kill it. We have like people with like a million followers in the untested, you know what I mean? Like some massive people. So it's, and that's all through like social media and the opportunity social media is we just, we, and no one gave it to us. That's the beautiful thing. A platform yeah. opened up, you know, pun intended, a platform opened up and we just fucking sorted it out ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's crazy. If you think about, I mean, we can just, you just, you don't have to, if you think about just one lifter that has like say 500,000 followers, million followers or whatever, and then you think about the fact that there's multiple of them, like we look at like just Russell or by himself, like the yeah. following this, has and like kind of like the culture and the cultural impact he's had on powerlifting by himself and then you think about the fact that you've got other people out there putting out content doing the same thing you know what i mean it's it's kind of insane when you think about it um because i mean even even some of the first like powerlifting youtube videos and stuff that i was watching stuff like that a lot of them just were like you know like russell's videos and stuff like that you know what i mean so it's it's crazy to to just look at the impact that things like youtube instagram and even stuff like, like tiktok now and stuff has on like just the growth and the outreach. I mean, all it takes is just one person seeing one video and being like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Like, what's that about? And then they look into right. it, you know what I mean? So yeah, no, the social media is probably definitely like, I think the biggest thing in terms of it. And then also probably like just personality types. I think I think it's the fact that, like I said, not just Bill Wise, but like there's almost certain personality types that deviate towards certain sports. Powerlifting, where you just got this whole mixed bag of, you don't know what anybody's going to like it's, until you talk to them. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, we all lift weights, but our backgrounds are different. What we do for our day-to-day jobs and activities are different. So I think that plays a big role in it, too. It's, 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 it's such a low bar of entry. Like, anybody can power. You know what I mean? Anybody can get under a barbell, learn how to squat, bench, and deadlift. And I think that helps out with it a lot, too. Because, you know, you got some people where, oh, they're former athletes and they want something competitive, so they do this. You got other people where they never played a sport in their life, but they want to be physically active, so they get involved in powerlifting. It's just so many different backgrounds, you know? It's, uh, like, first off, in terms of personalities, man, freaking, when I talk to buddies and they're like, uh, yeah, like a powerlifter, and they have like a an image in their head of how this person probably carries themselves, I'm like, dog, yeah. you have, 
you have no idea the difference between like you you'll have on certain spectrums individuals like a garrett fear type like very out there you know very loud and then you'll have on the other side like soft-spoken mild-mannered like a ashton rusk you know what i mean like like military literally military man literally a military man straight laced um you know like we're all over and we'll have like people who are um coming from tough neighborhoods high school dropouts with like people with phds dog we have like you and from all over the world like you have eastern europeans who probably don't get like us or our personalities very well in North America, very well. And then you'll have people in Asia, people like apparently in India, powerlifting so big, they have like, and not a lot of their like stuff gets into a database. Okay. But it, it, cause a lot of it is, um, you know, who knows the type of competitions they are having and whatnot, like, but in India, there are some competitions that are like fucking like 12 to 24 hours. It's around the clock, multiple platforms, so big. But they're a nation that's like over a billion people. There's yeah. powerlifting pockets all over the world that we don't even know about, man. Yeah. Powerlifting yeah. is so fucking, it's crazy, man. Yeah. And I mean, for me, that's one of the things I love most about it is that it's that community aspect, man. Like I look at some of these people, you know, who were, I was just watching on YouTube, Method Meta Me, who are now some of my closest friends. I look at the people that I get to coach all around the world, or even just like, you know, people on YouTube for followers being like, hey, man, I really got a lot of your video. Like, you know, love from France, love from India. It, it, it's just crazy. It's crazy yeah. to be like, be able to have that type of connection with so many different people, so many different backgrounds. And at the end of the day, the main thing we have in common is that we like lifting weights. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's why, like, if, um, if one of your athletes goes to IPF Worlds and you have an opportunity to go, have you ever gone to IPF Worlds or actually? No. I okay. Haven't. I haven't. If at some point you have an opportunity to go, my man, trust me, when you meet people from all over the world and they, they like come up to you and talk, say to you that in person and you're like yeah. C team Japan or team, you know, Britain or whatever, it is fucking, it's like a, man, it's a weird humbling experience for, like, cause people yeah. from completely different backgrounds and cultures in the whole nine are like, I watch your videos and I, you know, and you'll be like, Holy shit. It's yeah. uh, it's wild, man. And it's true. Yeah. We just, we just like fucking all like lifting weights. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the double back, what you were saying in terms of social media, I think another reason why social media blew up for us is um, the, the stereotype of, what I was saying, what my buddies think a power lifter is just like a fucking meathead or whatever. Um, first off, if we didn't have social media, mainstream isn't given any of us interviews to know any of our athletes. So nobody will ever get to know Ashton Russell or anybody, right? Like nobody yeah. gets to know anybody. So we're not going to pull you in because you like one of us the, you don't even know any of us. We're just a name on a sheet of paper. That's like a, a score sheet. So then once social media came over and people could actually like hear us, see us and see all these different personalities, it's like, well, these people aren't all the same and they're all different. They got all these different personalities and whatnot. And like, I think that's when we started recruiting people who weren't just meatheads and people like, I can belong here. I can fit in here. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, like you said, you got the guys where they they are kind of a meathead or like former athlete, whatever. You also got the people where it's like, Hey, I love watching anime and listening to hip hop. Dude, dude you know anime. Who thought anime was so big? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, and that's part of why I like it too. Is like I'm somebody where I don't really view myself as very 
one dimensional in my personality, like the things I like, like even like, you know, like in high school, I didn't have like just one click. I had different groups I was with based upon what I was doing. Like, oh, this is the crew that I, you know, we talk about comics, this is the crew that I work out with, this is the crew like, you know, we talk about traveling and political stuff, whatever it may be. So that's one thing I like about powerlifting is the mixed bag. You know, sometimes mm. sometimes you get some of the extremes here and there, like with anything else. Oh. But but um, you know, that's 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 what's really cool about it is I think, you know just being able to meet people, different backgrounds, different thought processes, and just, you know, get to, you know, just unite over the fact that like, once again, we're, we're lifting weights, we're all trying to get stronger, all trying to get better. That's what's really cool about it. And in terms of uh, what you had said about the numbers, oh my God, how much stronger people are now. You know, I talked about like Hack versus Gibbs. Man, Hack versus Gibbs, like at the time, that was, it was crazy. Like what John yeah. Hack did to beat Brett Gibbs. And now we have like 74s, like Taylor doing more than that. And yeah. like, and like Austin isn't far off of what Hack did. And Austin was a junior and he was hitting yeah. 800 and Hack was like 813 point, whatever, somewhere around there. Like that just goes to show you, dude, Hack versus Gibbs wasn't like a century ago, but it's yeah. just, yeah, that's yeah. where we're at now. Yeah. And I think that really, you know, to circle back to your question, it really shows this where everything is at because obviously like of course the gene pool is getting bigger and stuff like that right? right but even beyond that i think it just shows how much better programming and the quality of coaching has gotten you know what i mean to where people are making this type of pro- i mean there's a time where people would be like oh the progress you make is going to be slower every single year and of course there's flows and trends but we can see now i mean once again you got people like look at once again bob matthews with the amount of progress he's making with each given year it's not like he's slowing down it's like he's speeding up you know what i mean so um yeah, it's, 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 it's just crazy to look back at where we were and where it's at now. And then it just makes you wonder, man, what's it going to look like in the next three to five years? Just because of <laughs> progress made already, you know? But, uh, it's, it's- what I, I was hanging out with um, Ben Escrow on the weekend and Leah Bavwa, and Ben was uh, training Taylor. And he, that's what he was saying, exact same thing where he was like, uh, the thing you probably say, boy, the thing they're proud about with Taylor is like, like his last year was his best year. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't slowing down and that's hard. You have to be creative. Like some coach, if you're not creative, this is something with like coaches where you just can't rest on your laurels with like a, like a, this is working for you. So let's not change it. Um, I think chance put out a video talking about that. in one of his stories just recently talking about how, like, if you just, this is working for me, so let's not change it too much. He's like, it might continue to work. You might continue to gain gains, but they'll be smaller and smaller. And the rest of the competition is taking risks and doing things and yep. gaining steam on you. And then when you yep. try to change up, it's too late. It's like, how do you, how do you change up as a coach? How do you deal with that? Being like, look, it, we got to keep experimenting and we got to keep pushing, but we also don't want to start all over again. Cause you've gained yeah. a lot of good data on the lifter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's you tough, de- right. Yeah. You don't want to deviate too much. I mean, I always tell people there's, you know, there's what's effective and then there's what's optimal. There's lots of stuff that's effective. There's lots of stuff that can help a client make progress. But finding what's optimal for that individual, that's going to require some trial and error. And I think a big part of it comes down to just the communication. It's like, it's not just enough for me, especially my coach style, to see like the numbers are going up. Like I'm having constant feedback between me and my clients as far as like, how are you feeling in the gym? How are you feeling outside the gym? What are the life stressors like and stuff like that? Because they're that's even something I have to consider. Like with Ashton, some things that we did before that were working really well would still be working well today if his lifestyle allowed for it. But if I know he's getting busier with the demands of military and speech days, stuff like that, I got to get creative and change some things up. Something as simple as like, like right now, Ash is training three days a week. 
Like, Holy hey, that's shit. Yeah, yeah, he's training three days a week. So the way we have things set up with him, we're still getting in the conference when we need to, but we are really driving home a lot of work with his accessories on those three days because we only have three days to get a certain amount of workload, right? Whereas before, you know, when we're training like, you know, four days a week, we still, of course, are pushing accessories. That's something I'm big on, but we didn't have to do it quite to the degree that we are now, but it's something where it's like, hey, we got to get creative based upon the circumstances. So I feel like it's just one of those things where if something is working really, really well, then okay, you can afford to not, you know, mess with it too much. But if there's something where you're like, okay, this is going all right, but could be going a little bit better, don't be afraid to play with it. Obviously, you got to time things out, right? You don't want to make drastic changes five weeks after a meet. But yeah. if it's like, hey, man, we've got five, six months to our next meet, let's just play with this. Let's just see how it goes. And if it doesn't go great, you can always fall back on what you're doing before. But for all you know, it might go even better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches don't like to change things for, well, for two reasons. One, I think there is that fear of like, oh, what if this doesn't work great? What if it's worse? But once again, you don't know until you try. But I think the other thing is I think a lot of coaches just get comfortable. Um, I'm very big on, you know, and that's why I continue to put content on YouTube channels. Well, I'm very big on like, I always want to be growing as a coach because I always want to be an asset to my lift. I don't ever want it to be like so routine, so predictable, giving the same thing over and over to where my lift is like, I don't even need this guy like, I know what he's going to do. I know what he's going to say. Like, you got to grow and develop yourself as a coach as far as your knowledge base and your experience. And then just having that personal relationship. You know what I mean? Like, lifter can't ever just become a number. You got to really know them as a person. And I feel like with that, that's going to motivate you to want to get better. Because it's kind of like, you know, whether we're talking about Bob or whether we're talking about one of my lifters, like, that no one's ever heard of. It's like, because you have more of that personal relationship and you really, like, you know them, you know what their goals are that makes you hungry to want to get better for them. Cause it's not just, Oh, this guy's just paying me. It's whatever. It's like, no, nah, like, like, you know, this is Ash. You know, this is my client. Kai is like, it's my client. Katie. This is a client where like, I know how much they care about this. I know how much work they're putting into this. So how dare I not put the same amount of work in on the coaching end when they are paying me for their service, all the coaches they can go to and they're trusting me to help them progress. You know what I mean? And I take that mm-hmm. very seriously. And I think that kind of mentality is what keeps me okay. Always be trying to learn more. Always be willing to try different things. And of course, like you said, be objective. Something's working great. Cool. Write it out. But don't get so comfortable with it to where you're not willing to adapt. That's always tell people have a plan, but always be willing to adapt that plan. That's really Mm. where it comes down to. And it is like, it's easy, you know, after a while, especially when you start gaining notoriety and, you know, you Mm -hmm. talk about talent pool. So you'll have people that you have to bring up full on yourself, like Brandon Petrie, where it's like, you just have to, you, you, you make this guy from scratch and you're going to have to do things like that. And then eventually as you put in page your dues in your seven years coaching, and then finally you'll start having people coming over to you and then your, your uh, roster starts swelling. And then when the talent pool gets bigger, you're like, Oh shit, having to start a bit of a pick in your litter. But at the same time, when you take people on, it is that like, you know, some people, when you could take on people past your threshold and just start tossing like, uh, like plat, like, you know what I mean? Uh, just, just, and and then that's like the tough part as a coach where you're like, if I dilute word gets out that I'm handing out, like, you know, things that are just like, here's a program that's already, I don't really, I don't know your numbers. I don't really know how you're doing. I don't really know you and how you're saying, like, you don't want to drift too far from that. Yeah. But, yeah. but you got to make money at the same time too. So, yeah. And I mean, that's what, and that's one thing too. Like, so when I first got into like, you know, like the YouTube and the coaching and I'll never forget when I decided to like go into the online coaching full-time. Cause at that point, like I was, okay, I was, like, I was a full-time trainer um, uh, for 
uh, Texas Christian University, like on a campus, uh, on a college campus. I was doing the YouTube thing. I was doing a little bit of online coaching. I was coaching the UNT powerlifting team. I was spreading myself real thin. And I was like, man, I, I'm like, you know, my days are going from like, you know, five in the morning to like midnight. I feel like I'm back in college. Holy again. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I didn't like it because in college it was the same thing for me, like my junior and senior year, because I was very big on, I'm not taking out student loans. If I can avoid, I'm not doing it. So I worked four jobs my junior and senior year in college. So my days would start at four in the morning and not until about midnight. And when I graduated, I told myself, I'm not going to live like that again, but here I am stretching myself <laughs> in. So I was like, man, I can either just let go of the YouTube thing, let go of the online coaching and just, you know, enjoy my full-time training job with these benefits. But I was looking at it, I was like, man, the YouTube is doing well. I love it. It's fun. The online coaching is just way more engaging, interactive versus only having like an hour long session once or twice a week with these clients where if they want to do more, I'm limited to what I can do based off the idea I'm working for. So I was like, man, I'm gonna go all in on it. But I told myself, I know what I want to do with this, but I also have seen what's happened to people where they started off, in my opinion, based on my values and ethics on the right track. And then they've kind of deviated from that. So I make sure the people around me, I'm like, if I, if you guys ever see me deviating from who I'm supposed to be as a person or how I'm supposed to go about things, if I start chasing money or cloud first, I'm like, call me on it because then it's time to quit. And I'm very happy to say that, you know, over the time and years, you know, every morning I wake up or before I go to bed, I can look in the mirror and say that I'm happy with how I went about things because it's all about doing it steadily, right? Mm-hmm. I always tell people, you can you can make money doing this without screwing people over. And if, it, if anything, I think to, to be able to make money long-term, you have to do it the right way because it's easy to, you know, let's say you take on 30, 50 clients at once, you get all this money, but then you can't keep the quality up. People leave you, word of mouth gets around, you know what I mean? Right. That's why me, like, you know, I'm at a point where, like, my roster, like, I work with 70 full coaching clients, but I build it up very, very slow and steady. It's like, okay, we're going to run with 30 for a year or two. Let's go with 40 for a year. Let's go with 50. And then, you know, just build it up steadily. And like you said, even when you get these, like, bigger name lifters, I mean, yeah, let's be real, man. Like, like I'm not stupid about it. I know full well, like, oh, when I got people like Ashton and Bob coming to me, like, oh, this is going to blow this up. You're getting all these emails daily. It would be so easy to just be like, man, I'm just, you know, let me take one more extra person, one more extra person or whatever. And I mean, shoot, you know, I have a wife and a daughter, man. So like, I get the temptation, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's money. But then it's like, but am I going to be able to look in the mirror and be okay with that? You know what I mean? So like you said, you got to be selective. And then when you get these new lifters, you can't, it's easy, I think, to take someone like an Ashton or Bob Matthews and be like, hey, this is my prize horse. You know what I mean? And you start, you start getting off your game, like the very reason, you know, and I think they'll all say the same thing themselves. The very reason they came to me is because of how I was already doing things. So if I suddenly shift how I'm doing things by either giving them some weird special treatment, or if I'm like, oh, I'm not good, you know, I'm going to be a little bit more passive with them. I'm not going to tell them to correct this or that because they're strong. It's like, no, man, like at the end of the day, you're paying me for the same service that this lifter who's ranked 500 is paying me for. I'm approaching you the same way. If I see something we can make better, let's do it. If I think you're killing something, I'm going to let you know. And I think that's the key is like, just because a lifter is stronger, more well-known doesn't mean the way you approach is any different than what you do with your other lifters. Cause that's why they came to you. They see what you're doing with your other lifters and they want that. Right. So I think that's, you know, if there's any advice I give to any coach that gets a high level lifter. It's hey, they're a high level lifter, but the way you approach it doesn't have to be different. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. objective numbers will be obviously <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, if, if I, there might be like, you know, a scenario, maybe I'm giving somebody like oh, a four by five with like 70%. Well, with Ashton, I'm probably giving like a four by five with like 60% because 60% of his one rep max is just so much objectively higher, right? Right. But the the, the mentality towards it shouldn't change in my opinion. And you, so you still have your star athletes paying as well? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know what? It's interesting you say that. It, uh, 
Because I was talking to, like on the weekend, I was with uh, Jess Bittner and Leah Bavla. And they're like, they both said they've paid for every coach they ever had. And they're world champions with like massive followings. Yeah. And like, really? And they were telling me, they're like, um, they were explaining, there's something about like, it's even though the coach could be like, look at me having you on my roster for sure is going to bring in me more clients and make me money. But even though they know that and they know if they wanted to, they could probably be like, hey, could we work something out? They're like, I want to pay you because I never want it to be like you're doing me a favor or I'm doing you yeah. a favor or yeah. it gets weird. It, you don't yeah, think absolutely. it will, right? Yeah, like you don't yeah, think no, it I, would. I, I, yeah, I've, I've seen it happen with other coaches, man, where they're like, oh, I'm working with so-and-so. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, I'm doing it for free. And I always am like, don't do that, like, for several reasons. The first one is, like, I don't care who you are, how strong you are. If I feel like the service I provide is of value and it's worth this much, you're paying this much. Because otherwise, I'm kind of shortchanging myself, right? And then beyond that, it's the fact that if they're coming to you, Right. And this is assuming you're not a coach. We're out here fishing for clients or sliding to DMs like, hey, let me coach you or whatever, you know, nonsense people are doing. But it's like if they're coming to you, then they should be coming ready to pay for that service because they see the value. And it's 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 it keeps things professional above all. Right. Especially like, you know, because I mean, some of my clients are my closest friends now. You know what I mean? Like like Ash and I are very, very good friends. But there's always still that line of professionalism that has to be there for a coach client relationship to work. And when you're not when there's no payment involved, then it can easily become the same where the coach is like, well, you've only gotten here because of what I've done with the clients. Like, well, your roster's only where it's at because of what I did. It's like, it just makes it messy, man. I, I, I'm, I, I, the only time I tell people like, where I think free coaching is cool is like when you're first start, like, you know, take people on, work with them for free, get your feet wet, stuff like that. But as far as, and it's also a respect thing too, because it's almost like, okay, obviously Ashton is, you know, my strongest client in terms of objective total, right? And obviously I'm fully aware that him being on my roster is going to help my popularity as a coach a lot more than like, you know, uh, maybe like the high school kid who just wants to get into it. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to make this high school kid feel disrespected or feel like he's not as worthy of his high value by making him pay, but not having Ashton. Pay. That just doesn't mm-hmm. sit well with me ethically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, all my, all my clients based upon which coaching package they go with, that determines how much they're paying. You're not getting any discounts or anything like that. And I've had people try that before. I've had people kind of go, Hey man, like, you know, I want to work with you, but like, you know, here's my total. I've competed at this level, this level. Can I get a discount? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, it's, that's, <laughs> like, like, that's like, it's like, it's not even so much like, Oh, I don't want to give that discount. It's not even like, Oh, it's like, Oh, that's hurting me financially. It's more so that's disrespectful to all my other clients who are paying this amount for this specific service. You're paying for the same service. You're getting the same treatment. You should pay the same. It's that simple. And it does you like, I could totally see how, um, if you go start going down that path of like somebody not paying, it would be like, like they're not paying you. So getting back to them or their expectations of like, well, I, like you said, I brought you in like 10 clients, you know what I do. So I'm expecting you already did a a favor for me by dropping my salary, like me not paying you. So now the, the, you know, the, the relationship has changed, right? It's no longer like when you talk, you can't be on them as much. Be like, hey, can I talk to you about, you're not checking in as much. You're not doing this as yeah. much. You're not, either yeah. way it goes. And it's like, but things start getting off that way. You know, and yeah. I, I do wonder, 
if some people do it and they can make it happen, fine. That's good for them. It, everyone's relationship's different. Or if some people yeah. started that route, then now you can't go back. Because once you start that route, how are you yeah. going to double back and be like, my man, I think you yeah. should start paying me again. We got off. Yeah. It's not it's, worth saving a couple hundred bucks. You no, know it's, it's just, it's just, it, just, it just makes it messy, man. And, and ultimately, I'm like, you know, my my big motto that I go for is I want to treat each client like they're the only one I have. Right. And obviously different clients have different needs. Some clients need more communication feedback more often. Some need less. That's fine. But my point is whatever the client needs, I want to be able to provide that for them. And you're just not going to have as much incentive to do that. Like, look, let's be real, man. When it's like, you know, almost midnight, I've got my daughter crying on my arm or whatever. And a client sent me a message. If that client's not paying me, I have way less incentive to respond to that message right. under that circumstance, right? right? But when it's this thing where I'm like, hey, they're paying me for a service. This is what is offered with this service. So this is what I'm going to do about the circumstances. It just makes it easier to stay on point. You know what I mean? And regardless of what your values and your ethics are, that professionalism and the payment that goes with it, it just makes it so much easier to stay on point. So like you said, if anyone's out here doing that and they're making it work, more power to you. Couldn't be me. I'm not even gonna put myself <laughs> in that situation because it's just it's just gonna be messy in my opinion. Um, when you're taking clients on now, and I don't even know if you can't. Are, are you still taking on clients? Or are you are you already full? Or I'm full at this point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I I whenever I have a cap, I stick to that cap pretty hardcore. If I have a client who needs to like take a break, or if they go like from full coaching programming only, and a spot opens up, then I'll go through emails and stuff like that. Uh, but at this point, what I pretty much do is like I have a list of uh, coaches that I recommend to people. So that way, you know, I can send it that way. So that way people can, if they can't work with me, they can work with someone who I know is going to do right by them. But yeah, as of right now, I'm not really taking anybody on. Do you, have you thought about maybe even turning into a service and having like your coaching methodologies being like, because you want everyone to be kind of on the same page and that's, you know, I don't know how much work that is or whatever, but there's yeah. like obviously other coaching services. Have you thought about going like, I'm going to take several coaches on underneath me or, or have you already? Yeah, yeah no, I've def it's definitely something that I, that I've thought about. So I do have clients who are coaches themselves. Right. And a lot of times if they're really good with their daily communication with me, then their official like Skype checking or whatever, we'll use it to talk off and stuff like that you know kind of like i try to be a mentor to the clients to my clients who are coaches just to help them in that way and when i see that they're doing really really well and then when i can talk to their clients and get feedback from them and hear that yeah my coach is doing really right by me that's when i'll put them on that coach recommendation list mm -hmm. the reason why i have yet to um do something like, like and i might even do something like, like like a mentorship thing right like a course where people can come in and learn more about coaching that way but the reason why i've yet to like you know get a team of coaches or whatever is is two reasons one I look at, you know, okay, with where I'm at financially, do I really need to do that? Do I really want to do that? And then the second biggest thing for me is that right now with all sending my clients, right, whatever happens with them, whatever goes down, doesn't go down, that's on me, period. And it's only on me. And I like that because I know the standard that I hold myself to. I know that no matter how crazy my life gets, how hectic it gets, when I tell my clients, you always get a response in 24 hours, they're always going to be within 24 hours. When I tell my clients, I'm never going to be late on the block, I'm never going to be late on the block. If I bring other coaches in under me, if it's people that I really trust, I can't guarantee that with them, right? Mm. I can't guarantee that if they're under a certain amount of pressure that they're going to hold themselves to that standard that I would want. And even though it might be the clients that are under them, it's still under my name. You know what I mean? And I'm somebody where, you know, I'm very big on, hey, you're, you're at the end of the day, your name, your integrity, that's, that's one of the most important things you have in life. So that's kind of what keeps me from doing it is on one end, it's tempting because I, I just... I mean, if it was up to me, but if, if I could, if I knew I could do it, keep the quality, bro, I would take on everybody that comes to me. Yeah. I love, shit. Yeah, I love for sure. Yeah. 
awesome. But since I know I can, it becomes this thing where, okay, well, if I have coaches under me, that's kind of a way where I kind of get to do that, right? Um, or at least kind of like have it branch down, trickle down. But for me, I think kind of just, you know, being able to see coaches who are my clients and seeing them do well and seeing their rosters get filled and stuff like that, it kind of still gives me that same type of satisfaction of knowing that I'm a part of that process um, without having to be concerned about having coaches officially under me where if something goes wrong with it, then that reflects back on me. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of what keeps me from doing it. And mind you, some people do really well with it. Like, you know, you got TSG, TSA, Sean Noriega, he's got his team of coaches. I think out of every group, I love the way that he's gone about it. Um, but that's that's kind of what has me still kind of on the fence about. I'm not completely opposed to the idea, but as of right now, I'm kind of just doing my own thing, you know? I mean, it's it's kind of like the way you got to where you are now. It's just like scale up appropriately yeah. when it feels right and yeah. not do it for the wrong reasons, like, because I can. Because yeah. I can yeah. and I can make money. So I'm yeah. going to just be like, yeah. I'll rush it. Take your time. Yeah, it is yeah. probably the right way, man. When you do things for like the ends, the ends justify the means, that a whole thing. Where it's like, yeah. I can make twice as much money if I put two people under me. You know what I mean? It'd be like, yeah, yeah but if it's the timing's not right, if, you, if it's not clear yet, and the picture maybe in a couple of years gets clear, like, you know what? I worked out a method of vetting and a method of it, you know, let it come over time. You start hearing how other people do it. You say you like how Sean does it. You're like, you start bringing in, but not quite yet. And then maybe you yeah. take in something else from somewhere else and you start meshing things together. You're like, I think now I got it. You know, yeah. you just let it happen yeah. as it comes, man. It's the best way. You're doing it the right way. Grow appropriately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've even been asked, like, you know, I've had people like other coaches reach out and be like, hey, man, we're starting this. We want you to be a part of it. And it's like, I look at it and I'm like, man, it looks good. But I'm big on letting peace be my guide. If I'm not totally at peace with something, I don't do it. Um, and that's that's kept me out of a lot of trouble. <laughs> and whenever right. I ignore that, when I've ignored that, it's got me into trouble. You know what I mean? So I try to I try to kind of do it that way. And it's exactly like you said, man. To me, it's not that the ends justify the means. I'm all about the process orientation. It's not just getting to the end goal. It's how did I get there? And I, like I said, I'm big on. I mean, the whole thing. Like there's a point in time, playing enough where like you know I thought online coaching was a meme. Like if it, like if you would have asked me when I first started my YouTube channel, I've even, I even I guarantee you there's even old enough videos on 2016 when people are like, bro, will you do like online coaching? I'm like, why? Online coaching is a scam. It's a joke. Like oh, that's, no, that's yeah, like, yeah that, that's how I used to think about it because I was like, so I'm like, how can you coach people appropriately like online and stuff like that, especially as an in-person trainer? But you know, learn some things, learn about the interaction, social media, Skype, sending videos, and it was all that kind of stuff. But it's one of those things where I still kind of had that mentality in the sense of like, I want to make sure that the service I'm providing, I'm providing it the right way. And if I think there's even a chance that uh, if I go down that track and get kind of messy, I'm not going to do it until I feel like, okay, I can walk down this path and do it the right way. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm big on that. And we were talking a little bit, like um, I had shot you a DM asking a bit about your background before you got into powerlifting. And yeah. um I'm a big MMA boxing guy. And you had said yeah. you used to do some MMA. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm going to have to ask him about that. So how did you, coming up when you were a kid, um, so what sports were you into? And like, tell tell us the journey before powerlifting. Yeah, yeah, So I, so in elementary, you know, I played basketball. Um, and around that time, when I was 11 years old, it was also when I kind of first started getting into working out. But it was just like calisthenics, like push-ups, pull-ups, stuff like that. And the reason I was doing it is because um, my dad, my dad graduated um, from West Point. So military background. Um, currently, he's a, he's a firefighter and a pastor. But my dad was always big on, you know, um, having a sharp mind, but a strong body to protect that sharp mind. So 
two things he was always big on me doing is like, hey, did you read something today? And then, hey, did you get your workout in? Did you do your push-ups, your pull-ups, stuff like that? So that's kind of how I got into working out at first, was just for that, like Cal Sinus, something my dad had me do. Um, and then I was also like, you know, playing basketball in elementary, played a little bit of football in middle school, ran some track in middle school, stuff like that. But um, in high school, when I, due to like, when I transferred like my second semester of my freshman year, due to kind of how I transferred in and when I got in and stuff like that, I wasn't really like allowed to participate in sports initially. I wouldn't be allowed to until like the following year, like my sophomore year or whatever. Um, so during that time, man, like I started, I started kind of getting more into like, like, like boxing and MMA and stuff like that. And I was somebody where like, I enjoyed fighting in general because <laughs> like, cause like um, I would get into, you know, I got into quite a few fights growing up, never started them, but it's kind of more so like, you know, it's, it's a lot of that typical stuff, man. Like I was, I was a black kid where like, you know, I was into the stuff that's not quote unquote traditionally black. You know what I mean? Like I liked reading, I liked watching anime, stuff like that. And, you know, in a lot of the areas I was in, any any reason that you're different is a reason to beat your ass basically um wow. so i got so i got big into like you know fighting and self-defense from a young age already um but beyond the self-defense aspect i just i found that i really enjoyed it like whenever like it'd be it'd be funny because like whenever i could you know if i would come home from high school like someone was like yeah i got into a fight like didn't get in trouble because i didn't start it though but like like my dad would always notice that i was more like happy and excited to talk about it you know what i mean um and i think for me it's just like it's different man it's 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 like the closest thing I can describe to it in powerlifting is when you're under a really heavy squat, but it's just different. Like the adrenaline, the rush you get when it's just you versus other guy. And that's all you're focused on. I'm somebody where like, I'm, I feel like I'm always thinking about a thousand different things at once, but some of the few moments where I'm fully zoned in on what's right in front of me is when I'm in a fight. So I think I kind of just naturally kind of gravitate, gravitated towards like that type of experience. Um, even though like, you know, I'm not a violent person by any means, but like just the combat aspect, right. I enjoyed it. Um, and then, of course, you, you put that on top of things like watching anime and superhero shows and stuff like that. I'm sure that plays a role, too. But basically, yeah, it started with me kind of getting more like just into boxing and stuff like that, like with some friends. Like, you know, like, you know, we go in the backyard, put the gloves on. Hey, let's spar and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and then over time, that led more into like getting more into MMA. And then, you know, and I would watch the UFC, you know, with my dad and stuff like that you know, loved Anderson Silva and everything like that. And then, and, and it became this thing where, you know, I just kind of got more into it from that aspect. So instead of continuing to get more involved, like with sports in high school, like, you know, my sophomore junior year, I just stuck with that instead. Got more like into boxing, got more into MMA and stuff like that. And funnily enough, the only reason I ever transitioned from calisthenics to lifting weights was because of that. Because for the longest oh. time, man, I, I was that dude where people like, Oh, bro, you want to work out? You want to go like get a gym membership? And I'm like, why? Like, I can work out at home because you know I can do push ups and pull ups and stuff at home, right? So like, I didn't really, I wasn't really interested in like, lifting weights like that. I was like, I already work out. Like, what's the point? But you know, when I started getting more involved in like MMA, and I'm like, okay, I need to be able to hit a little bit harder. I need to be able to take a hit a little bit harder. That's kind of what got me more interested in wanting to actually lift weights. Was that actually? Um, which is funny because in a way, that's also kind of part of what deviated me from <laughs> MMA later, just because like. You know, as I got deeper into power and stuff like that, I wasn't as on top of like the conditioning aspects of things that come with MMA. So I could take a hit better, but my conditioning was garbage. But yeah, I was pretty much I was into it pretty hardcore throughout high school. It got a little bit weird um, when my sister uh, passed away my junior year in high school um, because she was somebody where like, you know, she was like a support system for me where if it was something that I was kind of into where my parents were kind of like kind of on the fence with it, like they support it. Cause Hey, it's what you want to do. But then I crazy like, like my dad was cool to be doing it. My mom hated anytime I got into a fight or anything MMA related as I'm sure you can imagine, but my sister always supported me and stuff like that. 
Um, but when she passed away, it, it became more negative. It wasn't more about like the sport anymore, the fun of it. It was more about like, I want to hurt somebody or I want to get hurt by somebody. You know what I mean? Um, so that kind of made me kind of take a step back from it a little bit then. And then of course I got through like the grieving process and, and healing and kind of getting more past that. Got a little bit more back into it. My, um, my freshman and sophomore year of college, but I'll never forget when I kind of was like, just like, okay, this is it. This is kind of, this is cab. This is done. It's because at that point I was really still into weightlifting. Right. Uh, and I hadn't gotten into powerlifting yet, but I was just taking like my weight training way more seriously and stuff like that. I'll never forget like the last fight that I had, I won, but I felt like I lost because, you know, we were standing, everything was all good, striking back and forth. It went to the ground, got him in a, got him in a chokehold and finally got him to tap. But when I tell you, dude, when he was done and he got up and left the mat, I just laid on the mat for like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> heaving, bro, just gasping. I was like, I, I can't do both of these, bro. Because like like with like the amount of time I have in the day to focus on one or the other, like I couldn't do both to that serious extent. So when I transferred uh, college, just my junior year in college, that's when I kind of like just like, oh, I'm just going to focus on kind of like just weight training and stuff like that. You know, I would still like mess with the bag and stuff like that just, you know, for fun. But that's when I kind of like, got out of it but yeah it's funny because you know most powerlifters they, they kind of like oh, i think i'm gonna go from powerlifting to jiu-jitsu and I, for me it's kind of the opposite i went from like you know the mma background more into uh powerlifting but yeah that was that was always kind of my main thing because like you know with all the other sports i play like you know, like basketball football running track it's like it was never a matter of like being good at them or not i just didn't get the same enjoyment that i got out of like you know out of like you know boxing or mma it's just it's, it's fun to hit people man i, I, don't, I don't know i don't know what to say it's just <laughs> it was just it was different for me. It is like um, you are ever so present because you have to be the entire yes. time. Like yes. you can't um, like powerlifting. You're right. Like, okay. So when people hear you say the closest thing would be like under a heavy squat and people yeah. would be like, how is that the same? But the, the thing is for that few seconds, when you're in a yes. squat, you know, people describe it and it's like, everything turns off and you're like, yes. like you're yes. so present fighting for yeah. it doesn't matter what your girlfriend said to you the night before or if your boss yeah. is yelling at you riding your ass all week you don't you are so present in that moment but for a fight it lasts like a five minute round for mma like you yeah. are never more honed in because you have to be and you're yeah. extremely present and just totally think about what's happening what's going on what's he doing what you have to do and blah 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 the different vet and it's like whether whatever art it is if it's boxing jujitsu or mma or whatever that's what the big appeal is that some people and then when you do it i know you're talking about how it's like um it's not about like necessarily the violence of it right like at, at a time yeah, you were going yeah, yeah. through like you yeah. said you've gone through one point in time when it was but after that it wasn't it was more just like something about like it's problem solving with yes. consequences yes. but you're yes. super into it and it's like puzzles in front of you and you're like, you're actually 100% focused. You're like, holy shit, adrenaline's going, but you're managing the adrenaline because you don't want to get too tired. And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, weird. It's hard. To it's not dirty. Like people think it's not like people. Yeah, think no, there's, there's, there's a lot of it's once again, it's a lot of similarities to chess. You know what I mean? You can't just throw a punch whenever you want to throw a punch. You got to watch this dude and like, what's he doing? What are his patterns? And for me, as somebody, like I said, we're like, 
once again, my dad kind of raised my, hey, sharp mind, strong body. I like activities that let me express myself physically, but still take some critical thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's really what I love about powerlifting and the coaching aspect of it. Like, like numbers, learning somebody's body, leverages technique. There's so much of that mental aspect that goes into it. There's, it's, it's more than just, hey, go pick up this weight. You know what I mean? And I think I gravitated towards it for that reason, the same way that I gravitate towards MMA. And then, like I said, as me as somebody where I feel like I'm always constantly thinking about a lot of stuff, it's nice to just feel fully present in the moment. And I get I get that when, like I said, when I'm under a heavy squat or when I'm, you know, going head to head with somebody in the ring. So it's it's one of those things where I think that really is what it was for me. And I, and I think it's cool that you, like, without me even explaining it, you knew what I meant when I said it's similar to being under a heavy squat. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do, like, I do grappling. So I know what you mean where yeah. – um, you were super duper present and it's hard yeah. to describe where you're like, that's it, man. You can't, uh, you can't have mental lapses because oh, yeah. your guard, now your guards passed. Well, now he's got your back. Well, now you're getting choked and it, it very quickly unravels in front of you. Um, it, it, the one thing with being a coach and an athlete at the same time, do you sometimes like I've had coaches on and they talk about like you start obviously, cause you make your business as a coach, you start putting your training off. And it gets tougher and tougher, right? Because you're a young man and you're yeah. a strong young man and you like competing is obviously in you as well. And that's the tough part where, um, I mean, I had Joey on and, and like, uh, you know, more than Joey, like Mike T, a lot of these coaches have been competitive as well beforehand. Um, and they've talked about where it's like, you know, you get the fire and you target a beat, but you're like, sometimes like, shit, man, I got a busy schedule coming up. It's all powerlifting. So you can kind of get powerlifting burnt out by the time it's your training a little bit sometimes, but you love lifting, you know, and, and you love like, you know, you get something from it physically, health wise, you want to be strong, you, you're a young jacked man and like, you don't want to slip either. You are the small professor, not, you know what I mean? Not the couch potato professor, like that's, that's also mm. part of it. So it's like, it's tough, right? Is it a tough balance for you to do, be like an elite level coach? And, um, and still try to keep pursuing as well as an athlete? It takes work. I'll definitely say that. Like, it, it's, it, it definitely takes work because, like you said, there's only so much time in the day. And then especially since, you know, because my baby girl, you know, it's my first, my first, um, my first born. She was just born in January. So that's oh, been yeah. a whole extra transition, right? So it's kind of like, okay, got to spend time with the wife. Got to spend time with the daughter. I travel for meets. Got to take time to write programs. Got to make YouTube content. Um, got to get my own training in and still have some type of social life. So it definitely takes work. But for me, it's 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 three things. First of all, like I said, at this point, I, I love training. Like I said I started working out with Castle when I was 11 years old. I'm 28 years old now. So I've been working out for more than half of my life. Right. So I'm always going to train no matter what. Um, just because like I said I'm about, you know, health. I mean, even my, my YouTube channel, I always talk about, like, hey, Swell Fest, you're here talking about health, fitness and social well-being. So I'm, I'm never going to not train. But the thing that keeps me, you know, still doing meets and, and training specifically for powers and stuff like that is, is a couple of things. One, I really do feel like, like I said, I don't ever want to become passive as a coach. And even though you can have all this head knowledge and all this data and all this experience with clients, it's just not the same thing as really being able to relate to your clients because you're going through the same thing they're going through. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter if it's 500 pounds, 600 pounds, 800 pounds. If you've never truly like grinded like an RP 10 squat, you can't really describe that to someone or talk them through it mentally. You know what I mean? Um, so 
that's one thing is the fact that I feel like it helps me be more relatable to my clients. Like Ashton always says, he appreciates that I leave from the front as far as that. Right. Um, the second thing is for me, man, is like, I love competition. Like I, I do, I do. And like, like, I don't, even though it, yeah, maybe like it'd be a little bit easier. I have a little bit more energy time my day if I like didn't, you know, emphasize my training quite as much. I don't want to become one of these coaches where like, you know, oh yeah, I have all these lifters and these athletes, but like, I can't speak from experience. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I'm not going to be as strong as some of my athletes. I'm not going to be as strong as Ashton or Bob or anything like that. Right. But I, but I like to know that like, okay, I can look at my numbers, look at my weight and be like, yeah, I'm putting up some really good numbers for like where I'm at and constantly progressing and trying to get better. And that's the thing for me that what, what I love about power, like I said, there's two major things. One is the community aspect we talked about earlier. The second part is like, you can always get better. Like, and, and, and that, that I love that, man. I'm, I'm big on contentment and growth in anything that I do. Like in my relationship, my wife also wants always to grow and get better together when it comes to like, you know, my job, I always want to grow and get better at it. when it comes to training. It's nice to know that I can directly put in this much work and get this result. From it, you know what I mean? So even though, yeah, it, it, it's hard. It takes time, especially with like with traveling, but like, you know, you know, me and my clients know, my fathers know, even when I'm traveling, like, you know, I, I may have been just spent, you know, 12 hours handling at this meet. I would be in the gym later that night and get no it in. Shit. Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't miss sessions, like period. I don't miss sessions. Um, it's one of these things where it's like, it, it, it's something that I just do for myself because it, it lets me know that, Hey, no matter how busy things are, how hard things get, I always have the choice to still put in this work if I want to. And I think that has very practical carryover to other things in life because life gets hard, man. Circumstances aren't always what you want it to be, right. but it's like, you still have a choice to make in how you respond to those circumstances. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is it's a lot easier to tell my clients, Hey, you have no excuse to miss sessions. Cause I'm not missing sessions. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, of course, within reason, you gotta be understanding like things pop up, emergencies pop up. But for me, I feel like it's something that kind of separates me from a lot of other coaches is the fact that I, I don't slack on my own training. I don't, you let, I don't let the fact that don't get me wrong. Like the coach and my clients always come first. But I don't let them come in first be an excuse to slack on what I still need to do after the fact. So right. that's kind of that's where my headspace is at with it. I mean, look, at it, when it comes to like a coach, usually most people's first client is going to be themselves. You're going to experiment and, and try things out on yourself. And then yeah. on top of that, um, there's no better way, like you said, in terms of relatability, you know, if you put yourself through the volume or you're asking your clients to what does true fatigue feels like? Yep. What does like, so when you're asking your clients, describe to me how you feel because you've been there, you'll know, okay, that's fatigue, but not too much. Or, yes. or, or you could be like, you're describing to me, you need a deload. And I think yep. you, like, but you'll, you, it's so hard to describe if you haven't felt like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and there's like, yeah. okay, that's sore, but that's not injury or, we're getting close to injury. It sounds like, but you know, because yes. you've been in the shit, pushed through it. Like it's it's textbooks, YouTube videos can only take you so much. Yeah, but when you put yourself through it, and you're like, I wrote a program, it looks fucking brutal, and I'm gonna do it first because I yeah. need to know is this you know what does this feel like? What you know what I mean? Like with your numbers, not Ashton's, but like you know, yeah. it's it does mean something. And then like you said too. Um, if you, yeah, you put your clients first, but after I do, I don't care if it's a 12 hour day, I'm yeah. going to get after it myself so that you also know when you talk to a client, I hear you, your life's crazy, but 
you've missed quite a few days lately though, huh? Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. my life's crazy too. And you're missing more days than I have, right? Like yeah. it's like, and I'm not competing coming up in three weeks. Like it's one of those deals where you can talk to people and hold them accountable. And they, you know, like, I think there are probably athlete coach relationships where the athlete is looking at the coach. If the coach is old out of shape and whatever, the athlete to an extent is looking at him like, man, you don't know what I feel like. Like, yeah, but if he's looking at, you know what I mean? It'd be like, you're asking me to do shit, but did you really do this? Whereas if they look at you and you're like, dog, fucking, I'm doing the same thing. Don't tell me you can't. Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Like, are you injured? If not, let's go. We, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 it puts you on a new level of I think respect and, and mentorship with your clients when you're right. able to do that, right? It's like it's it's easy to say, oh, I can relate to you, but I don't even have to say that. They can see it. They can see that I'm in there doing the same things they're doing, going through the same things they're doing. And I can't even count the amount of times where a client will be like, Yeah, I'm kind of feeling this or whatever, or oh, I did this on my squad and this happened. And I don't even have to watch the video. I can just be like, do this, and it's gonna feel better. And it's because I've tried so many different things on myself and I've gone through so many different things with myself to where like, I know that, yeah, nine times out of 10, this is probably what happened. You probably did this. You did four in the hole, do this and that'll correct it. Right. And of course you still watch the video afterwards, but it's like, that's, it's that level of experience that you can't get out of a textbook or a YouTube. Mm-hmm. And describing how you feel is fucking difficult, man. Like yeah. to understand because there's, there's, there's like a spectrum of fatigue. There's a spectrum of hurt. You know, like my body's hurt. Well, what does that mean? We have to talk about this because are yeah. we looking at injury and I have to adjust? Are we looking at like, you know, pulling you out or, and, and it's very difficult to explain these things. Cause when people get into it and they're in the thick of like some thick volume with intensity, everything feels like, Oh my God, is this, especially if they're new to powerlifting, they'll be like, yeah, Oh my absolutely. God, is this, is this supposed to feel this way? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're fine. This is, yeah. this, this might be the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. because I remember I, I, I took all the time. I'm like, you know, we, people forget that muscle soreness is technically pain, right? It's just, you get so used to it to where you don't freak out if your pecs are a little bit sore or whatever. Right. But then, you yeah. know, if you feel something that you're not used to, it's like, Oh wait, what is this? And once again, it's like, I can imagine how many times I would say, I don't know if I hadn't gone through some of the stuff myself, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's, that's, that's my thing with the man. Like, I love training. I want to be active. I want to be healthy. So I might as well be doing it in a way that's going to be productive for what I do as a coach. Um, but then once again, like I said, like it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. I like, I would not be involved in the sport on any level coaching or competition if, if I didn't love and enjoy it. So like I said, it takes work, but it's not like it's this thing that I dread. You know what I mean? No one's got a gun to my head being like, you got to go train. It's like, no, I, I choose to do it because I love it. It's that simple. Yeah. Like imagine, powerlifting took away lifting for you that'd be a fucking shame man yeah yeah Can you imagine yeah. that yeah that would suck man that's like, terrible like, yeah and for me honestly man i'm being real if it ever got to that point i would quit like i would quit coaching and go do something else and, and a lot of people might be like oh it's crazy man like, that's how you make your living and blah, blah blah i was like yeah but i can go make money doing something else and for me working out training holds such a special place like in my heart in my life i would never want to do anything that makes me hate doing that you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. You don't want to lose yourself. Yeah, like, no. Never. Like, like it, there's also something to be said for, um, like, look, at I love my clients. I'll do everything for my clients. But we need boundaries. And without, yeah. you know, and without boundaries, I lose me. And, and you, like, you're not going to be the best you either. Like, boundaries make relationships yeah. sustainable for a long period. You could give too much, like, in a short span, 
but you will not last long period. But if you have proper boundaries, you can rock and roll forever. Cause well, you're, pa- you're pacing. It's yeah. all about pacing. Yeah. You got to take care of yourself. You can't pour from any glass. And that's something that I definitely had to grow in as a coach over time, because it's like, like I said, especially with how interactive my coaching is like the, because like outside of just the official Skype check-ins, like I said, it's 24 hour feedback. So if you send me a video, I'll respond within 24 hours. And when I first started, because I didn't have as many people, it'd be this thing where I want to respond immediately. It didn't matter what I was doing. If I'm working out myself, I'm eating, you know, you know, eating with the wife, whatever, I try to respond immediately. But now I've gotten to that point where it's like, you know, if I'm in that workflow and I can respond, cool. But if I'm really focused on my own training session, or if I'm having dinner with my family or whatever, you know, hey, I got 24 hours to get back to it. I'll get back to the 24 hours, which one, clients are very understanding of. But two, if, if I'm better and I take care of myself, I can take care of them better. Right. It's very easy, like you said, to just get overwhelmed and burnt out. You're doing so much to where you don't want to respond to anything. You know what I mean? That's when you that's when you probably do see some coaches like either quitting or they start slacking the communication because they just they took on more than what they should. So absolutely got to take care of yourself first. With every relationship, dog, the older I get, the more yeah. I know boundaries is the is a massive thing. Um, what are some of the goals you have? Because you've accomplished, you know, quite a bit, especially in the last year. What are the, some of the goals you have that you have yet to accomplish that you want to do? So as a coach, definitely want like, you know, definitely want to, you know, win the pro series, like, you know, have, have my team win the pro series, you know, as far as like, you know, the rankings, like with Ash and Bob, Petrie, Michael, et cetera. Um, definitely for this year's national, want to show out hard at nationals just because, you know, it, it's crazy to look at it. Cause like, you know, 2019, uh, it was pretty much like, you know, it's just, it was just, it's just Michael. Right. Then 2020 happened, nothing went down there. Then 2021, you know, I had Ashton, I had um, Jamar, I had Bob, you know, like I had a handful of us doing it. But this is the first kind of like big, real nationals that's happened, you know, since 2019. So, you know, you know, got a whole team going in, you know, 20 plus lifters to we're all competing. So big goal is to go in there and make sure all my lifters just have like the best meet of their lives for sure. Um, like I said, win the pro series. And then in terms of my goals as a lifter for me, cause I'm also, also competing in nationals, definitely want to, you know, hit that 700 kg total market, the 75 kg weight class. That's just something that I've always wanted to do. That's a big goal for me. And then, uh, beyond that, man, honestly, as far as just, you know, with the YouTube channel, just, just continue to have a positive impact. There's still nothing that makes my day, whether it's like a video I just uploaded, uploaded a week ago, or whether it's a video I uploaded two, three years ago, when you get that comment, be like, Hey man, love this video. Got it, learned this from it, stuff like that. Like that just continue to grow and have an impact. I'm, I'm really big on that. I feel like, you know, it's easy to get caught up in things like just like, like, like the money or like the, uh, like, Oh, you're working with this lifter or that lifter. But at the end of the day, it's like, when it's all said and done, if I, you know, stop coaching or when I leave this world, it's like, what type of positive impact did I, did I leave? You know what I mean? Um, so I think in terms of like the coaching, it's just continue to help, you know, the, the, the goal of coaching has always been the same. Like whatever lifter comes to me, help them maximize their goal. If that's Ashton's goal of, Hey, I want to be the best lifter in the world. Or if that's Bob's goal, of, Hey, I want to catch Ashton. Cool. If it's a lifter where it's like, Hey, I just want to total a thousand pounds. I want, I want every client that I work with to be able to say that, yeah, I had an amazing coaching experience with Marcellus. I have nothing bad to say. Like, that's always my goal as far as the coaching. Um, and then, of course, you know, beyond that, just, you know, taking titles, world records, wins, dubs, stuff like that. Like, but like some competitive, I still want that aspect, even though, like, the goal of just taking a client comes first. When you do work with people like Jamar, Ashton, Michael, Jordan, et cetera, that's going to come with it, right? The competition right. aspect. I want to I go in. I want to make some noise. You know what I mean? So, that's yeah. definitely a big thing for me as far as that. And then, you know, in the personal life, man, just, you know, <laughs> be a good dad, be a good husband. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's always a goal. And the fun thing is like, um, 
when when I first got into like doing like the podcast and commentary and all the rest of it, you can get wrapped up into numbers like, uh, yeah. you know, in, for all of it, downloads, social media, everything you start doing, right? You could quantify anything. And then yeah. after a while, um, you start realizing like how it impacts you necessarily. You don't miss, feel the change necessarily. But I mean, this is going to sound cheesy as shit, but it is literally um, when you start like having conversations and having moments and whatnot, and you're like, that's the shit right there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like along the yeah. way you start having yeah. moments and you're like, all right, man, this is actually why I'm doing this. Like yeah. if, if my numbers grew 20,000 in the next month or stay the exact same. And I had like several moments where I'm showing up at events or doing podcasts and I have like a, you know, you just have a good conversation with somebody like I'm having right now. And you walk yeah. away energized and be like, yeah, fucking no question. I would take option B and fuck the 20,000 extra followers. There's Absolutely. nothing in me there or like whatever you qualification you want to trade off. I'd be like, no, thank you. Yeah. I, at one point I got yeah. into it. You get into it initially. Like I want to hear my targets with this numbers, those numbers. And then when you start rolling forward, you're like, you know what, man, if it got you know, like it, it, things start changing a little bit, you need the numbers to do that. But yeah. 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 It's all about the why, right? It's like, for me, you know, when I see like, Oh, the IG followers are increasing, YouTube subs are increasing for me. It's not so much just, Oh, the numbers going up, but it's like, that's that many more potential people I can have a positive impact on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny. I remember back in like, this was like 2017, um, me and Russell Orgy, we did a, we did a meet together or whatever. Right. And this was like, at, at the time, like the Houston area, cause I'm in the Dallas Fort Worth area. He's, he's in the Houston area, but the Houston area was flooding really, really bad. And we had done a couple of YouTube collaborations before, but since Houston was flooding that bad, he stayed in my ear for about a week. And that's when we really like talked and got to know each other. We really became friends. I remember we literally had a conversation where he told me, he's like, yeah, man, I know people that have like millions of followers, but like he said, forget the fact that they're not making money. He's like, they have like no impact. Like they're just there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like you said, I'd rather have say like, you know, I'd rather have a thousand followers where I know I'm helping a thousand people truly and genuinely and have a hundred thousand followers where like maybe 500 of those people pay attention to what you're saying. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's, it's all, I'm not somebody where I'm like, Oh, people get too high from numbers or, Oh, social media is bad or clouds. Bad. It's, it's all about your why, you know, intention is everything. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. It's like having a bigger platform, allows you to potentially impact more people. It's just, it's got to be for the right reasons. You know what I mean? And, and even with coaching, we, we see that all the time. It's like, it's like, why are you doing this? Are you just doing it to be known, you know, for like, oh, I coached this guy or did that or whatever. It's like, or do, do you truly care about the people you're working with? You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, you know, people have their assumptions. Only you yourself know why you're really doing it. But I, I do feel like, you know, when you put in the right work and you do it the right way, and that's there's only one way to do anything. But when you're being true to yourself, like it shows. I, I really do feel like people can smell bullshit and people can yeah. tell when, when you're faking it anyway. So, and, and I'm big on this, man. Like even with my YouTube channel, like it's it, one of the coolest compliments I get is people like, Hey, you're just like how you are on your channel. I'm like, bro, life is too short to be someone I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the, I don't have the energy for it, man. I don't have the energy to be fake. And, and plus, you know, part of when I would have made my channel, the reason why I did it is because, a lot of the YouTube channels that I used to like watching where they focus on fitness, they got away from that. They started just being like lifestyle vlogs or here's a car I drive. They started acting different. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to become the thing that I wish I could still watch. You know what I mean? Um, and it's, and it's cool. Like you said, man, like even, you know, at this past high school and collegiate nationals being in Lombard, like it was, and, and you know, it's, you know, 
but within the past couple of years, it's happened more frequently anyway. But to like anytime I went into the gym to train there, like at, at Surge New Levels, or anytime I went to the meet venue, having people stop me and be like, hey, man, can I get a picture with you? Hey, man, I love your content or I love what you're doing. This like, there is nothing, man, that matches that. No, I do. Oh, it's like, holy it's, shit. People it's, care. It's just different, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's, like, it's like, I'm just over here doing my thing, trying to do it the best way I can, trying to help people. And of course, it's cool when you see the comments, but to have people come up to you and be like, your stuff helps me so much that I want to have a conversation with you. I want to take a picture with you. It's not even about like, oh, I'm famous. It's like, it's like just that impact, man. It's, it's different. It's like, it gets me excited and it recharges me. And it, it's like, this is why I do what I do. It's, it's for this right here. It's awesome. Yeah. I know you and me were like, sometimes people meet you and um, yeah, it, it'd be weird. For like, like I, I, I put on the podcast because it's long format and it's just conversations. Um, in its free flowing conversations, you're going to end up being the way you are anyways, right? Like people meet you yeah. and it, but yeah. it's tough. There are some people, you know, who will have a social media personality and then other people will have met them and told me, yeah, they're nothing like that in real life. And I'm like, yeah. really? And they're like, yeah. they're like, no, they're not like that in real life. And it's like, it would be, I mean, I'm not, you know, like someone off the top of my head. I don't know if you know who Greg Doucette is. I yeah. know. Okay. So I knew Greg Doucette. I'm, um, I was powerlifting in 2007 and Greg Doucette's Canadian as well. And like, I would see him at competitions and, um, he had YouTube and Instagram whatnot previously. And it was like way smaller. Like Greg isn't like he is on his YouTube surprise, surprise. Right. Like he's, his voice doesn't sound like that. Like Gilbert Godfrey, rest in peace. Gilbert Godfrey just passed away, but his voice doesn't sound like that. And, um, he isn't like, he isn't like that in real life. And I'm not knocking him doing that because, like, do your thing, man. He blew up and now makes a living off it and has million followers or whatever the shit on Instagram. Like, and I listen to MMA podcasts and real famous MMA people now all know who he is. So, fuck it. I say, do your thing. But um, for me, like, I thought about it. Like, holy shit, he found his niche and just created an alter ego and took off. And then I was like, I just fucking couldn't, man. I don't know yeah, how to, yeah. I don't know how yeah. to dog. Like when yeah. people meet me, the chorus, the way I'm talking to you would be the way I talk to you. Like if I meet you in real life at an event and we're all going to go out for dinner after, you know, like sometimes a bunch of people who meet each other in the community, like, let's go out for dinner and drinks, whatever. It's going to be the same conversation. People are going to be like, oh, you're the same dude. Yeah, man, I can't, I can't. Uh, it's too hard, man. But some people do trying to carve a niche. Yeah. 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 And, you know, like you said, different things work for different people. And I think it's different when you can kind of tell someone's almost like playing a role or a care, just kind of like what the flow is supposed to be. But like I said, for me, since the content stream is like just free informative content or showing my training, it's like, well, I'm going to just be transparent. I am who I am. You know what I mean? I care myself how I care myself. And like, it's just easier. And plus, I can't I don't know, just for me, I got to think about like, what would it be like, you know, Cause you gotta think like if you're acting a certain way on your YouTube and you know, it's not how you really are. Yeah. I just feel like you don't think about how weird that's going to be when people meet you. Cause you're going to run into people. Oh, I know. You're going to run into people. You're going to interact with them. So it's like, that doesn't bother you. <laughs> that yeah. you're not gonna be, you know, but you know, like I said, to each their own, that's, that's weird to me personally. It's easier to not have an, I got you moment as well. Right. Like it's easier yeah. to not like um, get caught up in some shit and afterwards be like, fuck man, this is going like weird yeah. on me you know what i mean where you just like whatever i am who i am people might yeah. like it people might not and more 
mostly people are going to like it anyways. People, or if they're not going to be crazy opinionated either which way. I know people say like, just be relevant. It doesn't matter which way they swing on it. But on the flip side, you got to be you. Otherwise, fuck man, get in all types of weird stuff these days. Consistency is everything, man. In anything that you do, you got to be consistent. And I just, (laughs) I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where it's like, especially like in the YouTube realm, not so much the Carlson world, but like the YouTube realm, man, I've met some of these YouTubers that I've watched and stuff like that and met them in person. It's just like, but what the hell is wrong with you? You were like, you were nothing like, you know, how you present yourself. But sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's like, oh, you're a lot better than what you present yourself on YouTube. But then it's almost like, well, then why are you presenting yourself that way? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I wonder the longevity to it. If it is like, like the alter ego over the top style yeah. where it's like, you can get a lot of attention quickly and uh and have a peak but uh it's gonna be a lot more difficult than like a fucking uh pick your guy like a joe rogan style dude who's just clearly yeah. joe Ro- joe rogan, rogan's joe rogan so yeah. it's it's just is what it is as opposed to somebody who's like fucking going another route with it, it it'd be tougher to maintain that over the course of a long period i think no, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't have the time or the energy to pretend to be someone that yeah. nice. It's just too much. And, and like you said, the longevity of it, because like at that point, it's almost like instead of just being yourself and people gravitating towards you, it's almost like you're creating a product. You have to constantly get in the mindset to sell that product over and over and over. And that's fine if you're a business, you're actually selling something physical. But when the product is yourself and you have to get in this mindset, I imagine that's got to be draining over time. Like, and then you know, I got some people out there where they don't know like, who's the real me and all that. Stuff, you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I like, like, yeah, I don't have time for that, man. No shit. God bless. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, um, giving me your time. We got to do this again, dude. Maybe we should do this like leading up to closer to, to Nats or right after Nats, do some recapping on how your athletes did, whatever it yeah. is, dude. But definitely the door is always open on my end, 100%. Love what you're doing, man. You've been absolutely fucking killing it with your athletes. Um, the work you're doing with some of these guys, you know, like numbers don't lie. Bob comes over to you and the guy's a fucking shooting star now. And 82 and a half kilo and he's probably going to throw on God knows how many more kilo come US USAPL Nats. So uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're grinding, you're working hard and, uh, and you're an inspiration of coaches coming up. And I like how you carry yourself, man. You carry yourself very well, dude. I appreciate it, man. No, I appreciate, you know, the chance to be on the podcast. It's been cool. I mean, you know, who, what powerlifter doesn't want to be on King List at some point, right? So I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And how does anyone get a hold of you if they're looking for any uh, coaching? Yeah, yeah, So um, uh, you can, you know, shoot me a message on Instagram. My Instagram is at the Fester. I can also contact me by email, theswolfesser at gmail.com. All right, my man. We'll keep in touch. Have a good one. Uh, you too. Say bye.